We face, therefore, a moral crisis as a country and a people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to increase demonstrations in the streets. It cannot be quieted by token moves or talk. It is a time to act in the Congress, in your state and local legislative body, and above all, in all of our daily lives. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Achieve Great Things. This is RJ from Hadaway. This is episode 7. We're going to talk to a friend of mine, Joel Payne, who's with Corvus MSL Group. He's a veteran of the Hill and campaigns, and he has a lot to say about the election, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, demographics and how that played into it, and also some good advice for, for communicators. That's sort of our promise here, is to bring you insights, ideas you can use in communications, And a couple listeners actually said that it might be a good idea for me to introduce myself as I'm the voice you all are hearing every week. So I'm RJB. I'm a senior vice president at Hathaway. Doug Hathaway and I have been working together and building this firm for almost 10 years now. My background is in politics. I started working on campaigns. I've worked on advocacy issues. We've done some corporate communications work and uh, have been working with, with Hathaway to provide uh, research-driven strategy content and campaigns to foundations, nonprofits, political government clients, and, and some businesses. I'm trying to bring some of that experience into, into this project and really help people get tangible, concrete advice on how to do their jobs more effectively. I've also been doing a podcast myself for about four years about the band Fish. It's a pretty niche thing, so if you have never heard of Fish, you probably wouldn't like it, but if you are a Fish fan and you've never heard it, you can listen to it. It's called the Helping Friendly Podcast. But that's a little bit about me. I really love having these conversations and getting people's perspectives and really just engaging people around what I think is a super important topic, given that We, um, a lot of us who are progressive-minded, feel like our communications aren't aren't up to par for various reasons, whether it's clarity of message or finding the right messengers or or just lack of coordination and other things. So I'm hoping that this podcast helps to, to bridge that gap a little bit and help us all move forward. So as always, send us your thoughts, feedback, questions to podcast at hadaway.com. You can find us on Twitter at hadaway.com. Yeah, we look forward to, to hearing from you all. And thank you to all the people who have sent comments and questions and thoughts so far. So let's get into this interview with Joel Payne and we'll see you all again next week. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Joel Payne, who's a vice president at Corvus MSL Group. Joel and I have known each other for a long time, and he um, is a veteran of The Hill and campaigns and has worked on corporate communications and has a a lot of experience to draw from. Um, Most recently, Joel was the director of African American Paid Media, the Hillary Clinton for President campaign. And um, he's going to share some of his insights, both from a communications perspective broadly, but I think we'll talk about the campaign a little. It's kind of hard to get away from at this point. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Joel. Of course. Thanks for having me, RJ. It's good to see you. We're sitting in Joel's office. Um, it's the start of March Madness, which is always a, a great day for many of us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Except for me. I, I didn't go to. A, I didn't actually go to a school that cares about March Madness. Brown, uh, you know, we got excited when we went to the NIT about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, well, Joel, thanks for taking the time. Um, we've been talking with people, obviously, just about communications from a 
from both a you know what have we learned perspective, but also how do we move forward? Those of us who work on progressive issues or people who come from it um, from the perspective of wanting to create impact through communications. Um, from your perspective, you know, based on all your experience, what's what have you learned about the way we communicate and, and maybe what we need to do differently? Well, I mean, I think the easy lesson to take is down is up and up is down, and um, you know, everything's kind of been. There, there has been there's been doubt created on all of the traditional metrics that we use to measure impact. I mean, everything from polling and analytics to turnout models to how important is your ground game. Mm-hmm. All of that has been uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt cast on that after the results of last November's election. Um, I will say, from the perspective of the Hillary Clinton campaign, I think one thing we learned is that you know. Despite what the data may tell you, you still always have to um, make sure that you find a message that resonates. Mm-hmm. I mean, Donald Trump, you can say many things about the president. Um, clearly, as someone who worked on the other side, I don't agree with virtually anything he says. <laughs> um, but he's a very effective communicator. And um, in the past, we've had the effective communicator. Yep. You know, we had President Obama, who was an effective communicator, but in a different way. Um, and now the onus is on us to figure out, okay, we have a, an electorate that has shifted, that's different. How do we communicate with that electorate in a way that is resonant and that is, that is up to date with what voters expect to hear in 2017? And even going back further, we had Bill Clinton, who was an effective communicator in a different way. It's interesting how that it's all contextual in like the time that we're in, right? Um, and and the, sh- the shifts over time. Clinton was a was sort of a fresh face after the Reagan years, and Obama was a hope and change guy after the Bush years with the wars and everything. And um, so you, I, I see it as like somewhat cyclical. But where where are I mean, what do we need to do now? I mean, do we do we go to the lowest common denominator stuff and just try to simplify as much as possible, or how do we get around? You know, Trump, um, the way he communicates, which you said, as you said, is clearly effective. I, th- I think simplifying is a is a good um, way to go about it, but I don't think that means we have to necessarily sink to the level that sometimes the president sinks to. Mm-hmm. I think we can simplify and we can still stay true to progressive values and um, progressive instincts. Um, I, I I will say this, you know, there's been a lot that's been said about whether or not um, the Obama coalition is gonna gonna follow. Um, whether it's Hillary or whoever the the next candidates are, just from a macro political perspective, from from my vantage point, mm-hmm. the Obama coalition doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the Obama coalition is just what it is. It's the Obama coalition, just like there was a Reagan coalition in the '80s, just like there was a Clinton coalition in the '90s. Um, Barack Obama is a supernova. Mm-hmm. You you cannot use that as a guidepost for future progressive politics. Um, Barack Obama has a unique appeal. He hit voters in a way or, or reached voters in a way that was very unique and very specific to his story and his skill set. Hillary Clinton has her own story and, and had her own skill set. We may or may not have always done the best job of selling that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I think we did a probably an underrated job of doing that given the outcome of the election. But, you know, the Obama coalition doesn't exist just like, by the way, the Trump coalition exists for Donald Trump. Yeah, there are no Republicans that can go up and pick up the mantle of Donald Trump and and, and do the Trump coalition. I, I firmly good. believe that. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, right. <You> know? 
<laughs> so you think the um, like the Perez versus Ellison stuff and who was caring for the Obama thing versus the Bernie thing or, or Hillary and Obama versus Bernie thing was um, do you think that's like a little bit blown out of proportion? I think it was. Look, I mean, it's a proxy war, right? Yeah. We get it. it it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a proxy war between the more progressive wing of the party and the more moderate wing of the party. Um, I think Tom Perez is a, is a good compromise choice. I get that that is not everybody's first choice, mm-hmm. um, but he did a pretty good job of bringing in Keith Ellison and bringing in a lot of Ellison loyalists mm-hmm. uh, into his leadership team. And, you know, again, it just comes back to just simplifying. Um, probably the thing that we were most guilty of on the campaign was Hillary Clinton is such a smart and such a learned individual and somebody who has such a breadth of knowledge and experience. Sometimes putting all of that out there can muddle the case and muddy the case a little bit. And I think um, sometimes simplicity sells. I think President Obama had a very simple, direct message. But obviously, he's a a very accomplished person, just like Hillary Clinton. It's just that his message seemed, for whatever reason, to just be more simple, more easy to digest, and more resonant. Yeah, well, so let's talk about the campaign experience a little bit because um, on our last episode we talked with Anna Greenberg, who I'm sure you know, and sure. we were talking about you know have have we ignored um, white rural people from Ohio, like where I'm from, or from you know even the rural sort of further west. So I guess <laughs> on on one hand, as Democrats are being accused of ignoring white people too much but also probably ignoring african americans too much in the 2016 election so i mean is that fair like did you did you did you in your um, interactions with people and your work on the campaign did people feel like the campaign wasn't appealing to them or wasn't paying attention to them or is it just a different circumstance i think and this is maybe this is the old political pro coming out mm-hmm. i think whenever you lose everything you did is up for question yeah okay so everything on that campaign that that we did um you know clearly people think it didn't you know it didn't work or didn't work as well as it needed to so it's, it's all up for question but i will say this if you followed closely hillary clinton's career her policy papers her positions the things that she actually committed herself to they're all things that should be resonant to people not just from the inner city, mm-hmm. but from rural and suburban and exurb areas. I mean, her ideas are ideas that really kind of spanned um, all of America and all communities and all faiths and even people of all backgrounds. I mean, we had a pretty sophisticated program for going after, um, you know, what we would call hesitant Republicans who didn't want to vote for Trump. So mm-hmm. we weren't just going after progressives. We weren't just going after liberals. We were really trying to really build like a national campaign that went after everybody. Um, again, clearly didn't work to the level it needed to. But I think that she really went out of her way to try to put a message out there that that you know really resonated with everybody. Yeah. And when you think about the next the next campaign, um, whether you're involved or not, just what what were some bright spots that you saw in terms of engaging young people, engaging African Americans, and engaging Americans in general? Like, what, what did you see that, that you that you think we can build on? There's some real cutting edge voter registration stuff that we did online. Um, I mean, and and I, I'm by far not the expert on on this, but um, some of my colleagues who worked in our digital department and some of our partners we worked with. Um, you know, Bully Pulpit um, and, and a lot of our people, you know, Teddy Goff mm-hmm. and Jenna Lowenstein and Jason Rosenbaum and folks like that. 
they really kind of put together a sophisticated operation that allowed us to reach people exactly where they were, Mm -hmm. kind of come up with creative new ways to not just, um, you know, get people on election day, but get people before that. I think we were smart about how strategic we were in terms of um, going after folks around voter registration deadlines and early vote deadlines. Um, It was a really sophisticated operation in in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think probably the um, day of turnout operation, I think there's been a lot of criticism of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I'm not the expert on that, but that can always use tweaking. But I think we uncovered some really good new ways to reach people before election day Mm -hmm. leading up to election day Mm -hmm. and uh, the various election days right we now know there's not just one election day yep there's an election day in some of these early vote states you know for two weeks before election day yeah you know so yeah yeah Yeah, that it yeah that's true and it's complex i mean it's obviously complicated and it's complex and it's way it's way easier to to point fingers afterwards um so as you think about these you know, groups of people who are now mobilized and people are excited and want to participate and do something. Um, what do you see as opportunities for people who are progressive or people who are, you know, part of the resistance thing? Like, what what are opportunities for people to get involved? And and what would you what would you tell someone who wanted to wanted to make their voice heard? We got to show up in between presidential election years. Um, we have to show up on off year elections. And even a year like 2017, where there are a couple of, you know, odd races mm-hmm. that come up in 2018, we got to show up when it comes to organizing mm-hmm. in 19. Mm-hmm. I mean, we cannot treat this as up. Oh, there's a presidential election, so progressives have to come out in full force. Now we got to be out school board elections. We got to be out for freeholder elections, mm-hmm. board of supervisor elections, because that's where Republicans actually, I think, have the real advantage right now. They've spent the last 10 to 15 years building up a really deep bench in some of these areas and I think we're really lacking there so we need I love some of the initiatives I think run for something mm-hmm. is something that some of my former colleagues on the Clinton campaign have put together I think there are a lot of other um, kind of cutting edge progressive initiatives that are underway that are similar to that but we've really got to get mobilized not just on you know every four years yeah. we got to be there between that and every two years and even before that because we're getting destroyed when the president's not on the ballot. Um, I will also say this, again, thinking about building a coalition for the future, we just have to get past the Obama coalition. Mm -hmm. Not to say that we should not go after the Obama voters, but we can't think about the electorate in that way. That is a unique appeal that Barack Obama had that it's very unlikely you're going to be able to find another candidate who has that exact appeal. Yeah. So there's elements of that coalition that we'll be able to carry through, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you'll be able to carry through that entire coalition. And I think we have to think about the electorate a little bit differently. As we're, we talked about some of the, the opportunities for sort of mobilizing people who are interested and excited. Um, what do you think about, what are some of the challenges that we have, um, in terms of communicating the current political and media environment? Well, you've got a president who can't be shamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, yeah, look, it's, it's an obvious point, right? We all get who he is and what his appeal is. But um, shame is a very important tool to have in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you can move people. Pat McCrory is no longer governor, Yeah, I think, because he was shamed into some things. 
And Mike Pence probably would be out of politics right now if yeah. you know Donald Trump didn't pluck him from oblivion to be the vice president because of the religious freedom bill and some yeah. things like that. You can't shame Donald Trump. Um, so I think that's a big challenge. I also think it's a big challenge to figure out, you know, how do you engage this president? How do you work with him? I know that there is, again, another proxy war going on between a, kind of a group of progressives who want to say, we shouldn't work with Trump. We should basically take the Mitch McConnell position that yeah. he took for eight years with Barack Obama. Right. I th- I don't think you can fully go there. I think I think you you've got to be a little bit more strategic, and you've got to pick your spots. I think Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have done a pretty good job so far of figuring out where are the places that we're willing to work with the president, where are we not. Um, I don't think you want the story to be Democratic obstruction. Yeah. I think you want the story to be. Donald Trump has no idea what he's doing, and he can't get his own caucus on board. Yeah, and I think in order to create that story, you cannot lend them a hand by um, creating this narrative about Democrats not doing their part. Um, so I, that's a that's tough. That's yeah. not an easy balance to strike. Yeah. but I think that's a big challenge as well. Yeah, those are good, great points. Um, when you were talking about the Obama coalition, just a question came to mind because there's there's I don't. Know, numerous narratives about the 2016 um, campaign, particularly from the Clinton side. One of them is that we sort of got ahead of demographics, you know, and that that leads to a lot of the stuff we talked about earlier. Do you think that that's, um, is taking that idea of the Obama coalition and thinking that we could just replicate that for Hillary? Was that part of getting ahead of demographics or are those two separate issues? Um, I don't don't know if they're completely aligned. Uh, Look, we had, frankly, all of the talent in the party was working for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And I think Hillary Clinton was a good patient, right? I think sometimes you have these candidates that don't take advice and don't take counsel. She did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there. I saw it. Yeah. You know, I, she was somebody who took counsel and listened, learned from her mistakes in 2008 and really tried to build a campaign that was um, with the times. And, and we just couldn't do it. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there about... I. I would not underestimate the fact that there is just a lot of um, there is a lot. What's the word I'm looking for? There is a there is a lot of stuff out there about Hillary Clinton that she just couldn't shake. <laughs> yeah. And I don't and I don't know if that. I, I think I would blame the loss more on the fact that I mean I would sit in on focus groups and you would just you'd hear people just come up with excuses for not liking this woman. Yeah. Um, look, some of the situations, sure she created, but some of these things are just. I think she was just a victim of of not being able to shake her past yeah. a bit. Um, so I, I I blame the loss more on that yeah. than on um, getting ahead of ourselves with modeling and demographics. Yeah. Again, there's always things you can do yeah, yeah. to to get better at that. But we had a pretty sophisticated operation, and we had a lot of good intel. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, um, you know, I think there's this thought that whenever you lose a, lo- a race like that, that there's hubris. Mm-hmm. I did not detect hubris, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm someone who had a unique vantage point because I came in late, so a lot of the um, principles and a lot of the atmospherics were already set by the time I got there. I did not detect hubris or arrogance or yeah. dancing on the 10-yard line. Um, it was a very hard-working campaign, and it was a campaign that was very much aware that they could lose, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, so I guess lastly, as, as we're looking forward, we're trying to leave people with a you know, idea or, or insight that um, that you would offer for communicators um, who are, you know, trying to create impact through communications, what's something you'd leave people with? 
Well, I'd say fight the urge to just call Trump supporters or people who um, went with that agenda this election to to try to let's let's not fall into the trap of just dismissing those people. Mm-hmm. Um, we can dismiss some of the worst angels of their ideas, but I think we've got to take very seriously the fact that this is a very disaffected group of voters. And if for whatever reason Donald Trump spoke to them, then we've got a more systematic problem that we've got to fix mm-hmm. and that we've got to got to address. And I think it has less to do with people's attitudes on you know race and class and you know all that stuff. And I think it has more to do with the fact that there is a cla- there is a piece of this country that does not feel engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and we as progressives have to be smart about how do we pull those people in. It's easy to go and say hey, those people don't share our values and we don't have any use for them. But that's not how you build coalitions. That's not how you build bridges. That's not how you win. Yep. And so I think progressives have to fight that urge. Um, but we should never abandon our principles and mm-hmm. we should never allow some of, again, those worst angels to take over our principles. So, yep. again, it, it's, it's difficult work. It's not easy, but I think we've got to do that. Nice. Great. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time um, and having me over in your office. You know it. Anytime. Thanks again for tuning in to Achieve Great Things. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give us a review there. Um, shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com if you have thoughts, suggestions, comments. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. We face, therefore, a moral crisis as a country and a people. It cannot be met by repressive police action. It cannot be left to increase demonstrations in the streets. It cannot be quieted by token moves or talk. It is a time to act in the Congress, in your state, and local legislative body, and above all, in all of our daily lives. 